You're listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. It is Upper Michigan's Happy Hour here at ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops with you as we continue our rebirth of the Sports Pen this Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you along as always. A lot to get to today. There's a lot I want to talk about. We're going to have a few guests join us here in the back half of our show. We'll talk a little basketball, how that scene has been affected here in Upper Michigan. Uh, I mean, we all know how it's been affected, but let's get an insider perspective. Why not? And let's talk a little minor league baseball. We know how sports are being affected right now around not just the UP, but the entire country. Let's get an insider perspective here in the back half of our show with minor league baseball and how their lives have been altered. Right now, though, I do want to talk about a little NFL because we are a little less than three weeks away from the NFL draft. And we will see franchises changed. We will see the direction that teams are going to go in the future and moving forward altered. Right now, I want to talk to you about this because I got a really interesting list in front of me. And I want to share with you some thoughts that I had from this. In front of me, I've got a list of every franchise's all-time passing leader. Now, this is, uh, I want to put a few stipulations out there that these rankings are set by career passing yards with one franchise. So, for example, Peyton Manning is on here. His yards that he passed for as a member of the Denver Broncos do not go onto this list. He's on this list as an Indianapolis Colt. I want to go through all 32 franchises' all-time leading passer, and I'm going to tell you who is the most vulnerable to be knocked off this list. Who is most at risk? Let's start here right at the top because the all-time leading passer with one franchise, well, actually the top two shouldn't be much of a surprise. Uh, Tom Brady is number one with the New England Patriots, 74,571 career passing yards. He's followed by Drew Brees with the New Orleans Saints. Now, those two are not going anywhere anytime soon, although uh, neither has much time left with their current franchise. Obviously, Tom Brady is with Tampa Bay right now. He's not with New England anymore. I still don't see Jared Stidham or really anybody, whoever it would be in New England, overtaking Tom's mark of 74,000-plus here in the near future. And same with Drew Brees. You know, he's already decided that he's going to go into broadcast with NBC rather than ESPN following his football career. Neither of those two are going anywhere from the top of this list anytime soon. Third on this list all-time is Brett Favre, the Green Bay Packers, 61,655 career passing yards as a member of the pack. Now, keep in mind that that is only with Green Bay. That does not count as yards from his time with New York or Minnesota. Uh, But Favre is a guy who's not going anywhere on this list anytime soon. And people will look at this and think, what about Aaron Rodgers? Well, Rodgers is still about 15,000 yards behind Brett Favre. Rodgers has thrown for 46,946 career passing yards. Uh, He's not going to catch Brett Favre. Uh, Let's say that if he played his entire career, he wasn't sitting behind Favre for as many years as he did, then maybe. But right now, Brett Favre is pretty secure atop that list as Green Bay's all-time passing leader. Then you've got a couple other guys that probably aren't going anywhere. Dan Marino uh, with the Miami Dolphins and Phillip Rivers from the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, Marino's interesting because what if Miami does draft Tua Tungavailoa or somehow, which a few mock drafts, uh, mock drafts are predicting, Joe Burrow does not go to Cincinnati at number one and he somehow slips to Miami. Well, sure, there's that possibility, but 
Marino still one of the all-time greats and a guy who passed for 61,361 yards in a Miami uniform. Let's say that no matter how this draft plays out for Miami or who they get here in the near future to play quarterback for the Dolphins, Dan Marino's not going anywhere in the near future. And then Phillip Rivers, of course, now with the Indianapolis Colts. He passed for 59,271 yards with the Chargers. I like Terod Taylor. I really do. And there are a few mock drafts that say Tua could go to the Chargers, that Justin Herbert could go to the Chargers. You know what? They're not catching Phillip Rivers in the near future. Maybe someday. Maybe someone's got that potential. Not in the near future. So right now the top five, as far as career passing leaders with a single franchise, they're all pretty safe where they are on that leaderboard. Now, here's where it starts to get a little bit interesting because number six all time is Eli Manning with the New York Giants, 57,023 career passing yards with the same franchise. Now, Daniel Jones put up a pretty prolific uh, should we say that rookie season with the Giants uh, for all his faults for his inability to take care of the ball as much as New York would have liked he did put up good offensive numbers he set a Giants franchise record for rookie touchdown passes and rookie passing yards and he did so playing in 12 games he didn't start the first two games of the year and he missed two games later in the year with injury now, Manning uh, obviously has set the bar high for New York, but Daniel Jones, for all his faults, if he put uh, if he keeps putting up prolific offensive numbers, he certainly has a chance to catch Eli Manning and become the Giants' new all-time passer. So Eli Manning, I feel, is the first player on this list of career passing leaders with each franchise that is truly at risk. With Pittsburgh, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he's not going anywhere. I mean, you can have all the duck hodges in the world that you want. Ben Roethlisberger's not going anywhere. Peyton Manning, I know they just got Phillip Rivers. That I mean, he's not going to last in this league more than two years. Uh, Peyton Manning is pretty secure where he is right now. John Elway is the all-time passing leader in a Denver Bronco uniform. You know, maybe they got something special in Drew Locke. I mean, it's probably still too early to tell. We have too small of a sample size, although what we saw last year was fairly encouraging. That being said, John Elway is still one of the all-time greats, and I'm not ready to put Drew Locke in that category where he is going to be putting Elway at risk of being bumped from this list as every franchise's all-time leading passer. Then you have Atlanta's Matt Ryan with 51,186 yards right now. I mean, there's no reason to think anybody's going to be knocking him from that pedestal anytime soon. Matt Stafford with the Lions, 41,025 career passing yards. Yeah, I... I don't know what the Lions are going to do in this draft. They are really interesting when you look at number three in the upcoming draft, the uh, number three overall pick, and what the Lions are going to do. Uh, maybe they take Tua, maybe they take some other quarterback, and they upgrade. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly a question there with Matt Stafford. Will he be the Lions' all-time passing leader going forward, or at least in the next, I don't know, decade or so? But until then, until someone has that kind of... Uh, track record should we say uh, Stafford is okay where he is right now the Baltimore Ravens have Joe Flacco with 38,245 career passing yards he is their all-time passing leader they have a franchise quarterback and a guy who looks like one of the all-time greats right now with Lamar Jackson but he's not one of the all-time greats because of his passing style I'm not saying he can't pass I'm just saying that he's not an elite quarterback because of that and because of that, Joe Flacco is probably pretty safe on this list. Jim Kelly from the Buffalo Bills is kind of in a similar situation, 35,467 career passing yards. 
Josh Allen is a capable quarterback, as we're seeing. He made the playoffs this past year. I know what happened in the first round of the postseason, blowing that 16-point uh, halftime lead. He is a capable quarterback, but he's another guy that isn't doing so as a prolific passer. We keep going on this list of career franchise passing leaders with San Francisco. You have Joe Montana, 35,124 passing yards. First of all, does it surprise you that Joe Montana is this far down on the list as far as guys who have, uh, who are the leading passers with a single franchise? Uh, Montana, that being said, I don't think he's at risk of being passed up by Jimmy Garoppolo anytime soon. And San Francisco doesn't look like they are in the mood to move on from Jimmy G or look to a different quarterback. So right now, Joe Montana is pretty well safe. Here's another guy that I think we can say is truly at risk. So far of the guys that we've gone through on this list, Eli Manning might be the only one that's truly at risk. Well, let's add one more to that list with Arizona. Jim Hart, if you remember him, 34,639 career passing yards. He is the all-time leading passer in Arizona Cardinals history or St. Louis Cardinals history as long as the franchise has been around. He's another guy that's at risk because we see Kyler Murray there right now with Cliff Kingsbury. Now the air raid offense this year was not a massive success but it wasn't a massive failure either. They did just add DeAndre Hopkins. They've got Larry Fitzgerald who still probably has something left in the tank and they've got a lot of young exciting guys like Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, guys with all kinds of potential and you've got the guy that you need to succeed in that kind of offense with Kingsbury and certainly Kyler Murray who's displayed the athletic ability to be able to make that work so absolutely Jim Hart is at risk of being bumped as the Cardinals all-time passing leader by the time this is all said and done with the Dallas Cowboys you've got Tony Romo 34,183 passing yards in a Dallas uniform now if Dak Prescott was going to be a Cowboy for his career I would say absolutely Tony Romo's at risk but I mean, we're seeing the writing on the wall right now. We're seeing the cracks in the armor that Tony Romo's not content with Dallas right now. And I don't, I don't know that they're content with him. And I wonder what are the possibilities for Dak Prescott going forward. I just, I truly don't believe Dak Prescott is going to be a Dallas Cowboy for the rest of his career. I think he's put off with the way that the Cowboys have handled the entire situation with his contract, what have you. I don't believe that he's going to spend any more time in Dallas voluntarily than he has to. And if, if that weren't the case, I would think Tony Romo's at risk. Right now, I don't, though. I don't see anybody in Dallas's future that is going to threaten Tony Romo and his place among the franchise's all-time leading passer. So what we're doing here in the sports pen, the first half of our hour, we are going through every franchise's all-time passing leader. And again, this list only includes yards, uh, yards passed for with a single franchise. So we will get to the back half of our list here after we take our first break here in ESPN-UP. Once again, Tanner Hoops with you, doing the show from my apartment as we are all sequestered up here during these uncertain times. I'm glad to have you tuned in and glad to be back with you here in ESPN-UP. We'll take our first time out now. We'll get to the back half of our list, the final 16 franchises, their all-time leading passer, and who's at risk next on ESPN-UP.
First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Marquette, as we continue to navigate these unprecedented times, we're glad to have you along nonetheless. We, uh, through the first half of our show, we are talking about the all-time leading passer for each NFL franchise and who is most at risk of being bumped from this list. We went through half the list in our first segment and we found that the two that are most at risk are Eli Manning and the New York Giants and Jim Hart with the Arizona Cardinals. Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray will pose viable threats for those two and certainly depending what happens here in a couple of weeks with the NFL draft where Tua Tungavailoa, guys like that will end up going they certainly could change this list and change our outlook on it. But let's go through the back half of our list for each franchise's all-time passing leader before we hit the phone line and we get a few guests here on the, well, it's not the ESPN-UP phone line. The hoops line, I think, is what we can come up with that. I think that's what we are going to de facto call it for now. Let's hit the back half of this list, though, here and not dilly-dally and let's start with the uh let's start the second segment with the tennessee titans where warren moon is the franchise's all-time passing leader first of all that just kind of hits the brain wrong because when i think of warren moon i think of him as a houston oiler and he certainly was part of this franchise back uh before they moved to nashville but he passed for 33,685 yards with this franchise back when they were uh when they were known as the oilers but nonetheless, Warren Moon is still the franchise's all-time leading passer. Ryan Tannehill is the type of quarterback that if he's in one place long enough, he can collect enough stats that he can probably be that type of quarterback that might vie for a spot on this list. Unfortunately for him, he you know, and he just got his contract. He's, he's a rich quarterback now. Uh, unfortunately for him, he is 30 years old, uh, right around the 30-year mark. And he has not been in Tennessee long enough, nor will he be there long enough to be able, uh, be able to collect the stats to surpass Warren Moon. So right now, he's pretty well safe on this list as that franch- uh, franchise's all-time leading passer. The Minnesota Vikings' all-time leading passer is Fran Tarkington with 33,098 career yards. Now, he's not going anywhere in time soon. Kirk Cousins, again, he's kind of in the same boat as Tannehill. They are both the type of guys that, if they're there long enough, they can probably collect the stats to be able to become that franchise's all-time leading passer. They're the style of quarterback. They play the style that you would look for in a guy like that. Uh, but, again, Cousins just hasn't been there long enough, nor will he be there long enough to surpass Fran Tarkington. Over in Philadelphia, here's an interesting one because Donovan McNabb is that franchise's all-time passing leader, 32,873 career passing yards. Carson Wentz has looked like an MVP candidate. He did earlier in his career before getting hurt as a rookie. Can Carson Wentz sustain that, or at least can he get that back and then sustain it? 
I don't know. I mean, that's one of the biggest wild cards is to whether Carson Wentz could be on this list. Could he end up being Philadelphia's all-time leading passer? How much time does he have in Philadelphia? Certainly is going to factor into that. Uh, he's one of the big wild cards on this list, but certainly he is a possibility. I'm not ready to put McNabb up there with guys like Jim Harder, Eli Manning it being at risk, though, for losing their title as a certain franchise's all-time passing leader. Here's a really interesting one with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, uh, can you guess who the Cincinnati Bengals' all-time leading passer is here before I tell you? Would you have any guess, any idea who that is? It's Ken Anderson. 32,838 career passing yards. Now, Andy Dalton has been around the league for a while. He's not going to be much longer. I, I, I would say that Ken Anderson is at, risk, uh, is at risk. I'm sorry, more for the fact that Joe Burrow could be drafted by Cincinnati rather than I think Andy Dalton could catch Ken Anderson. I mean, Joe Burrow is one of those guys that, you know, again, he could be hit or miss with the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft. But, man, he's got the he's he's got the style. He's that pro-style quarterback, and he has the skill set that if he gets his shot in the league, he absolutely could end up being more prolific than Ken Anderson. I know that doesn't sound impressive. I don't know if a lot of people think that sounds like it's a high bar. Nonetheless, Joe Burrow is one of those guys that I feel could put Ken Anderson at risk as being the Bengals' all-time passing leader. If, indeed, the Bengals do go with Burrow, the reigning college championship uh, quarterback, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in the upcoming NFL draft. A couple of guys that I'm not sure are going anywhere here uh, on this list. You have Seattle's Russell Wilson and Carolina's Cam Newton. I mean, Russ, just he's not going anywhere anytime soon. But here's the thing. Does it kind of surprise you that Russell Wilson is Seattle's all-time leading passer? I mean, he's I would say he's the best quarterback in Seattle history. But does it surprise you he's their all-time leading passer when you think about guys like Hasselbeck who have been there? I mean, I, I'm not saying I'd rather have Hasselbeck than Russell Wilson, but Hasselbeck was that style of quarterback that, you know, the drop-back pocket passer. It, they went to a Super Bowl with him back in 2006 and uh, lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, to me, it just kind of surprises me that Russell Wilson has passed uh, for more yards in a Seattle uniform than a guy like Hasselbeck. Nonetheless, he is the franchise's all-time passing leader, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Another guy that's in that, you know, a similar boat that, to me, I have a little bit of trouble believing he is the franchise's all-time passing leader is Cam Newton, a guy who's certainly not known as a quarterback, and whether you believe he's a good quarterback or not, or whether he had just that one MVP season or not, it surprises me that Carolina's had quarterbacks like Jake DeLome and Kerry Collins, guys who may not be as athletic or as good as Cam Newton, but they're the they're the pro-style pocket passers, the guys who drop back and they gunsling the ball more than Cam Newton does. He Cam is a guy who uses legs, or he did use his legs, to get where he was with Carolina. Nonetheless, Cam Newton is the all-time leading passer with Carolina. To me, that just hits the brain weird. It just, for the style of that he plays the style of quarterback that he is it's a little surprising to me nonetheless I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon Teddy Bridgewater's there kind of on a prove me contract Teddy's gonna really have to pass the ball here in the next and he's gonna have to <laughs> about a 10-year uh, career with Carolina alone and he's in his early 30s I, I just I don't see that Carolina's gonna change uh, their nominee for the all-time leading passer in franchise history. Here's a team that will, though, the Kansas City Chiefs. Len Dawson, 
he passed for 28,507 yards. Here's another one that kind of hits the brain weird. We all think of Len Dawson as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He was one of the first quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. He, uh, he played in the first Super Bowl. Ultimately, it was a losing effort to the Green Bay Packers. But does it surprise you that Len Dawson has passed for less yards than Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Tony Romo, Jim Hart, Joe Flacco? All those guys have passed for more yards with a single team than Len Dawson, one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest Chiefs of all time. Nonetheless, it won't matter because he's going to be bumped off this list here once Patrick Mahomes continues to add years under his belt. Pat Mahomes is absolutely coming for Len Dawson's title as the all-time passing leader in Kansas City Chiefs history. The New York Jets have Joe Namath as their all-time leading passer. Another guy that, can you believe, Cam Newton has passed for more career yards than Joe Namath did. Nonetheless, I don't think Joe Namath is going anywhere anytime soon. 27,057 yards. I don't know how much longer Sam Darnold will last in New York. I've never been high on Sam Darnold, and that's the thing I want to reiterate is that just because I'm not high on somebody doesn't mean I'm rooting against them. I'm not rooting against Sam Darnold. I don't have anything against him. I just wouldn't want him as my franchise's quarterback, and I don't know how much longer the New York Jets are going to put up with him. So I think Joe Namath is pretty well set uh, where he is right now as that franchise's all-time passing leader. The Jacksonville Jaguars, their all-time leader is Mark Brunel with 25,698 career passing yards. Yeah, they, they're in a weird situation because they have shown they want to go to more of an air raid offense, a, a, a pocket-style passing offense as compared to a couple of years ago when Leonard Fournette and even Maurice Jones-Drew from the past, uh, they looked like they were going to be a ground-and-pound team. This year they're showing more, or the, these last couple of years, I should say, they have looked like they want to be more of a pocket passer team, and they're doing so with Gardner Minshew, a guy who comes from the Mike Leach coaching tree, He's shown that he can put up prolific passing numbers. I do believe that there's a risk. If they stick with Garner Minshew, there is absolutely a risk that Mark Brunell could be bumped from this list as the Jaguars' all-time passing leader. A few more here before we hit the break and uh, we hit the phone line. The Washington Redskins' Joe Theismann is their all-time passing leader, 25,206 yards in a Redskins uniform. Now, Theismann is another guy that... He he's being challenged right now by a pocket passer, uh, prolific air raid style quarterback with Dwayne Haskins. Now, do I believe Dwayne Haskins is going to last that long to be able to catch Joe Theismann? I really don't. And again, it's not because I'm rooting against Dwayne Haskins. I just don't see a lot of reason to believe that Haskins is going to last as an NFL quarterback. Theismann, I think right now, is pretty well safe with Washington. Jim Everett of the L.A. Rams is their all-time franchise passing leader. I don't think Jared Goff is going to be coming for his title anytime soon. Here's a name for you, the Cleveland Browns and their all-time passing leader. I mean, can you imagine who this could be before I tell you who is the Cleveland Browns all-time passing leader as far as uh, passing yards in a Browns uniform? Well, it's Brian Seip. Brian Seip with 23,713 career passing yards. Could Baker Mayfield surpass that? Absolutely he could. Do I think he could? Maybe. I, 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 I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Baker Mayfield could pass that, could pass Brian Seip. And does that mean that Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback or he's an NFL caliber quarterback? No. Uh, I don't know what to think of Baker Mayfield right now. He had that fantastic rookie season and just had a sophomore slump 
the jury's still out on Baker and where I stand on him, but can he surpass Brian Seif without being a good NFL quarterback? I do believe so. I do believe Baker can get there. We have four more franchises, the career passing leader for each NFL franchise. For the Chicago Bears, I mean, you think about some of the quarterbacks they've had during their time. You think about Papa Bear. You think about George Hallis. You think about, I mean, they, they went to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. He's that kind of style of quarterback. Could you believe Rex Grossman is the all-time passing leader in Bears history? It's not. It's Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler with 23,443 yards. And I want to preference this by saying Jay Cutler is a guy who doesn't necessarily deserve the reputation that he has. I'm not saying that I'm sticking up for Jay Cutler. I'm not saying that he is a, a guy who has an undeserved reputation, but he maybe doesn't deserve the the gravity, the density of the reputation that he has. He's a guy that's known as someone who underachieved, whose body language is terrible. I don't necessarily go that far with it. I didn't think he was all that great of an NFL player. I mean, he was fine. He was fine. But it shocks me to think that he is the all-time passing leader for one of the NFL's oldest franchises. Nonetheless, Jay Cutler, I don't know, does he have a lot of reason to be pressured by Mitch Trubisky right now? My gut says no. Although 23,443 yards, I mean, that's not unobtainable. Nick Foles, I mean, can he do that in the short time that he would have left in the league? You know, he's going to have less than 10 years left in the league. Could Nick Foles reach that? Certainly it's in the realm of possibility. How about with Houston, another guy that certainly is up for uh, getting passed on this list. We should say Matt Schwab. He is the Texans' all-time passing leader, 23,221 career yards. Uh, Deshaun Watson is going to break that. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson certainly is going to, barring any kind of major injury, something going horribly wrong, uh, Deshaun Watson will become the Texans' all-time passing leader here in the near future. With the Oakland Raiders, Derek Carr is their all-time passing leader. And th that's another one that surprises me. When you think of some of the quarterbacks that they've had during their time, uh, Rich Gannon is somebody who comes to mind that I think of maybe as the prolific style passer that probably could make a case to be one of the greatest quarterbacks in Oakland Raider history. Nonetheless, it's Derek Carr, a guy who some people don't know if they should still believe in him, if they should still buy into the Derek Carr hype. He is the Raiders' all-time passing leader. I'm not seeing him go any, anywhere in the near future. I mean, right now he is with Oakland. He's their starting quarterback for the near future. I, I don't see any reason to think that he won't be their leading passer for the near future anytime soon. And then the final franchise is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jameis Winston is their all-time leading passer, 19,737 career passing yards in a Buccaneer uniform. Now, obviously, he just lost his job to Tom Brady. Tom is not going to be in Tampa Bay long enough to come close to racking up <laughs> those kind of stats enough to pass Jameis Winston. Tom is already on this list. Tom is the NFL's all-time leader in career passing yards with a single franchise. But Jameis... It's a, it's a weird case because who knows where he's going to play this coming season. And Tampa Bay is a franchise that who knows what they're going to look like going forward as far as the quarterback position. Now, Tom Brady being there doesn't move the needle for me as far as Tampa Bay ending that playoff drought and getting back to the postseason for the first time in a decade. Not really, but that's irrelevant because the question at hand is will somebody surpassed Jameis Winston as Tampa Bay's all-time leading passer 
probably, honestly, probably. Somebody's going to be there for most of their career in Tampa Bay, but that's what it's going to take is somebody's going to have to be there for the life of their career and be a stat collector. If not an all-time great quarterback in Tampa Bay, absolutely hit the home run on bringing in somebody once Tom Brady decides to call it a career. And by the way, does it surprise you that it's Jameis Winston rather than someone like a Greasy or somebody who's the all-time leading passer in Tampa? I guess it shouldn't. The more that I talk about it, I guess it shouldn't because for all his faults, Jameis did put up really prolific numbers despite putting up really uh, turnover-prone numbers, we should say. Kind of like Daniel Jones in that sense. For all of his faults, he did do a lot of good things and put up a lot of good numbers. But that is our list as far as the all-time leading passer for all 32 NFL franchises. Who is the most vulnerable and who is safe at being left on this list? And among our most vulnerable, we have Eli Manning, Jim Hart. We have Len Dawson and Ken Anderson, just a few of the guys who are certainly at risk. Matt Schwab was another one. Guys who are at risk of losing their title as one franchise's all-time career passing leader. With that, let's take our next time out as we hit the uh, right around the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we'll hit the phone line. We'll get a few uh, perspectives from how the sports landscape is being changed both at home and abroad. Next on ESPN-UP. When glass breaks, and it's the kind of a break where your insurance company is going to pay for it, step back for a moment and call timeout. You have the right to select Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales of Ishpeming, and why not? If it's glass, they can fix it. All work is guaranteed, and they will bill your insurance directly. The mobile team at Peninsula Glass will come to you and make repairs. Call for a free estimate and see how the crew can best serve you. They also do residential and heavy equipment repair. Peninsula Glass and Auto Sales, Marquette County's only locally owned and operated auto glass shop, right on US 41 in Ishpeming. Hi, honey. I'm home. What's new? Hustle delivered our new washer and dryer today. Oh, that was fast. Any problems? None at all. The guys arrived on time, hooked up the water, and hauled away the old ones. Have a look. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, sweetie, what are these guys doing in our laundry room? They're the household guys. Okay, I can see that. But why are they standing against the wall? <laughs> why, they're standing behind their products, silly. Would you boys like some more coffee? Household appliance and art van furniture locally owned. U.S. 41 West, Marquette. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoops. Their season ultimately cut short due to the COVID-19 outbreak. But, Coach, you were named uh, Division Three Coach of the Year by the Michigan Basketball Coaches Association earlier this week. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations on that. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah, Tanner, first, first and foremost, it's good to have you back. Good to hear your voice again. Um, even though life isn't back to normal yet, or it doesn't even seem like it's close to being back to normal yet, uh, hearing you on the radio again just brings a little bit uh, of normalcy back into our lives. So good to hear from you. Uh, glad, glad to be here. Um, as far as the, the, uh, coach of the year, yes, very humbling. Um, uh, very honored to, to receive the, the award. I was, I was, uh, kind of shocked when I, uh, when I got sent that, uh, Ben Smith, uh, from Marquette actually is the first one who broke the news to me. Um, you know, it, 
it kind of it kind of validates everything that we've been doing. Um, the last two years, we've got a what is it a forty six and three record, and uh, it's 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 been a heck of a ride. And uh, you know, we when you when you're a varsity coach um, at, at no matter what sport it is, there's you sacrifice a lot. And the girls do too, or your your student athletes sacrifice a lot. Um, just that the average people don't understand. And my 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 life, my my family, uh, they they feel it. My my friends feel it. It's just it's it's a grind. And especially to have a successful program like we have, it's it's not just it's not just November through March. It's it's all year long. And um, when you get when you get recognized. With uh, with an award such as this, it really it really validates a lot of the time spent away that other people recognize it too. And at the same time, I you know this isn't it's, it's not an award for me as much as it is. It's it really goes to these girls, and this should be this should this should go up on all of their their trophy boards as as well because you don't get an award like this without some incredibly talented players who've put in a million hours and have bought into your system and it's, it's uh this is just as much of an award for the for those girls as it is for myself kurt tell me about i don't know we i know we've had this conversation many times before tonight but tell me about where your program is now as compared to maybe where it was a couple of years ago you know i was thinking about that uh, knowing that we would be talking on the radio later tonight and it was it was not long ago Tanner when uh, Maddie and Tessa my seniors were in eighth grade and Maddie and Tessa were our they were our stat girls our video girls and they'd come on the bus with us and and video all the games and um, it was after a real real brutal loss on the bus ride home after we got back to Westwood I, the, those two girls came in back into the school with me to help put some things away, and I, I, I was just defeated, man. Uh, it had been a long year, and I, I sat those girls down and we just talked about the future and, and how I wanted to stick around. The only reason that I didn't, that I'm sticking around is is to see these two grow up, and I'll never forget that conversation. And they remember it clear as day too. And we often went back to that conversation through the years. Uh, anytime we needed a little bit of motivation or pick me up, because as successful as we have been in the last couple of years, it's you know a lot of people would kill to have that kind of record, but and think that it probably just comes easy, but it doesn't. The season is a grind. It's really really long, and there are times when we need to remind ourselves why we're doing this and and what the bigger picture is because. It just gets really, really long and, and draining. So we've we we came from we had there was a season not long ago we had four wins, and the year after that we had five wins, and then we started just exploding, went up to twelve, fifteen, nineteen. You know, getting up. We had twenty four last year, twenty two this year. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen by accident. It, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes time that goes into building a program like that. 
Well, Coach, you talk about this season and what it could have been. I know you had high hopes for this year. Obviously, it was cut short due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and I know a lot of teams of the UP had high hopes this year. I think of the Nagani boys, the Marquette boys basketball team, uh, Marquette boys hockey, Iron Mountain boys, you know, just a few teams that come to mind. Have you had any interactions with coaches like that? We've, I've, I've talked uh, with Brad Nelson. He's, he's one of my good friends. We've, we've talked quite a bit. Uh, ben Smith. Um, no, but no, I mean, we're, we're all in quarantine, right? So I, I haven't talked with a, a whole lot of coaches who were in a similar situation as me, but a lot of people, a, a ton of people have reached out and, and extended there and just an apology or just uh you know uh told me how bad they feel for us uh, because they were looking forward to to our our run and you know it doesn't get i suppose it has gotten easier it's been three four weeks now since we were told to turn the bus around when we were in newberry um it's it definitely it's it's easier you know, time time heals everything, but uh, there's not a day, and I, I mean that as literal as I can, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it. And this, this season was, was years and years in the making, um, almost the better part of a decade in the making, and, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, like I said, unless you're, unless you've lived it and experienced it, it, it really is like, like a death and in and, and, and we have to like mourn this season and it just let us let us grieve as dramatic as that sounds and i i i say that at risk of sounding dramatic but it's the truth we we this was a goal like for me it's a career goal just like just like a businessman can have career goals this was a career goal for for me and for and it was a life goal for these girls and um, the, everything that went wrong with this pandemic, I mean, it, it hit us where it hurts. It really did. And, um, you know, I can, will I ever get over it? Uh, it'll always be a sore spot for sure. But I'm, I'm well aware that we're all healthy. And, you know, I've, I'm, I wasn't affected negatively um, as far as, anybody's health in my family or anybody that I know is concerned but it really really hurts and uh, there was just like I said earlier it's just all of the time that was sacrificed all of the team, I mean all of the 8 a.m. workouts for years and all of the team camps and just just all of the uh, um, so really this has been just a sad situation for, for all involved. A lot, a lot of people have reached out and offered their, their sympathies with, with us. Uh, I've, I keep in contact with the girls a little bit. Uh, in fact, today was the first time that I kind of reached out to the, to the, the incoming seniors um, to talk about the potential, the possibility of some summertime workouts and just talking about the season coming up and it might sound silly but I've been holding off on this conversation because starting the conversations about next year means 
this year is officially over and it's really sad and I know that might sound silly but it, it's it, it's been hard it's been hard on us because like I said this was this was a year that we've had marked on our calendars for a very long time and we have worked very very hard for for this year uh, sacrificed a lot so um, it, it, it has been very very is surreal the right word the, the whole thing just seems made up and, and like this is a dream um, and that never none of these girls ever deserved to, to have this opportunity stripped from them and um, it's, it's it's I almost just don't have words for it you talked about having some conversations with some of your players coming back have you had any conversations with your outgoing seniors about the whole situation yeah yeah we've, we've reached out to each other a few times and uh, as the progression of the MHSAA's decision was, you could tell they were gonna they were gonna announce their decision. And we all knew the writing was on the wall, um, but we've 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 reached out a few times. Um, I've I've written some things up to them because I I'm never gonna get to give them their 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 final hug, right? I'm never gonna whether it was in the state championship game with a win or a loss, or whether it was in the regional game against Charlotte, you always you get to pull your seniors out for that last time, hug them, thank them for everything, you know, whether it's uh, on a win or on a, a on a loss, happy tears, sad tears, whatever it is, and just really thank them in in front of the crowd. Uh, we're not gonna get to have that banquet where I you know I sit there and cry like a baby for an hour for everybody tell stories and. We just we've been robbed of so many so many opportunities and, and again I, you know being on a radio I don't want anybody to listen to this you thinking like well you got robbed of a game and other people are getting robbed of this like I totally I totally get that um, I'm very aware of the situation that's going on but it's still it's just unfortunate. If you had your opportunity to do your banquet with your seniors, what's something that you would tell them? I've got this, this one thing I would tell them is is that obviously how special they are but uh, coaches get to watch their players grow up through the years especially coaches that are teachers and, and I taught them in sixth grade and I, I had them in youth camps for years prior to that they've in, in what I not only did I watch them grow up, because I did, I watched them grow up from third graders to young women, but these, this particular group of girls really got to watch me grow up, and, and I think that's lost probably on them uh, and, and other people. I, I was a young, a young, naive kid when they came into my life at about 24, 25 years old, and I've known these girls longer than I've known my wife and my kids they and they mean they mean so much to me they've watched my kids for me they've babysat i've trusted them with with my kids lives i've trusted them with so much and now they so they came into my life my life when i was a 24 25 year old naive kid and, and now i'm a 35 year old veteran coach and they've been there for all of it and and i don't know if if they quite realize that just how uh, how special they are to me in so many regards outside of just the wins and the losses and, and building the program they've just been there they've been there for it all and I will I'll, ne I'll never be able to truly tell them just 
even, even if we weren't in the middle of a quarantine, I just, I, I could never repay them for all the hard work that they've, that they've done for me and for this community. Coach, I know that, you know, you, you've kind of alluded to it already, but regardless of the situation, if you had your opportunity, if we all had our opportunity to send the seniors off the best way that we could, or at least with the most preparedness that we could, what would you want your seniors to take away from their time with this program? The, the work ethic that they that they've developed over the years um, knowing when sacrificing sacrificing is a big word that we used a lot because sacrifice and discipline are, are the two keys to being really successful in my opinion in this world and they sacrificed a lot and they were very self-disciplined people teenage girls man I mean there's 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 so much drama in their lives and they they didn't go to parties because uh because they weren't supposed to because they had practice in the morning or they had little kid basketball or all the all the uncomfortable text messages that they had to send to their teammates because they were trying to be leaders and trying to get them to go to the gym and all the just uncomfortable conversations they've they've had through the years they've done they've They've, they've sacrificed friendships uh, in high school. And, and I'm, I'm talking about the friendships, the, un, the unhealthier friendships that they maybe didn't know were unhealthy at the time. And for the betterment of our program, just the, the, the going out on Friday nights after school and, and make, even, even things like going to a movie with your friends or your boyfriend, but you decided that you better go and get an extra 500 shots up in the gym. I mean, there's, there's so much that's been sacrificed for, for the betterment of our program from these girls' lives that, that not, the, the average person just has no idea. And the, just to, to be, to stay self-disciplined, oftentimes any, any varsity coach can tell you this, you get, you got your really motivated seventh and eighth grades, uh, student athletes who come in and they tell you we want nothing but to win a state championship for your coach and, and but then they go from seventh grade to eighth grade then the high school and then maybe they get some boyfriends and pretty soon they're driving and other things take priority and those little energetic motivated middle school girls who wanted to win you a state championship maybe aren't even playing anymore because other things took priority and to stay disciplined and true to yourself and true to your goals that you set as a little kid for all these years through all the hardships all the workouts and practices and film sessions to keep that that focus so sharp uh is is not something you see too often anymore Coach, last thing before I let you go, I talked a little bit about it on the show yesterday, but the all-UP basketball teams came out the other week. Uh, tell me about your thoughts. You had four players that were honored in the all-UP uh, all girls teams. Yeah, I was going to bring this up to you. I've got, so I've got, I, I, I told you earlier, so it was so fun hearing you guys talk again on the, uh, the, the rebirth of the sports pen. Uh, one thing I needed to tell you I disagreed with you with is was the horse the ESPN horse competition. I thought I thought it was great. I thought you know what it wasn't up to ESPN standards, but come on, you got to cut them a little bit of a break. You're allowed and, to do that, Kurt. You're allowed to disagree with me. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and my wife actually.
actually looked at me. She was sitting on the couch and she said, are you really watching horse right now? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I think this is great. Now, part of that is because I've played horse about 300,000 times in my life, and I was sitting there watching Trey Young thinking, I could beat him in a game of horse. I'm like, I, nobody's nobody's trying my my. My, my trick shots here, like, I wish I was playing against these guys. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was clever. And, yeah, I know the sound wasn't up to snuff in the, the graphics or whatnot. But I give them, I give them credit for, for trying, for sure. And uh, but the second thing, because I 100% agree with you, Maddie, Maddie Kosky got robbed from the Dream Team. There's no question about it. She was the best, she was the best point guard in the UP on the best team. Um, you know, it, it, there's there's no question. We got she's she's sharing stats with Tessa Lee, Natalie Prophet, Carly Patron, and then anybody else on our team who decided to go off for the night. Maddie is Maddie is one of the most skilled basketball players um, in the state of Michigan. Not only the Upper Peninsula, but in the state of Michigan. And um, she her her stats suffered a little bit because of because of sharing that spotlight, but. We were just getting started, and Maddie plays. She she she's on her A game in the tournaments. And if I I think I think had we played in that regional game that night and beat Charlevoix, Maddie had twenty points, and we were then been regional champions. I think the voting would have gone different. But because people got to, for one, they didn't have to do it face to face, so it's a lot easier to vote for your girls or in your region when you think when you know better. But because you get to just email in your ballots, probably, you know, nobody's going to argue face-to-face. It probably made it a little bit easier. But um, Maddie is <coughs> very, very deserving of a dream team nod. There's no question about it. Coach, I uh, want to ask you here before I let you go. If you had your one shot against Trey Young, he's got to put up the, uh, the same shot to get his letter. What's that going to be? What's the Kirk Corcoran signature? I tell you what, Kirk Corcoran is the Division Three girls basketball head coach in the state of Michigan. Kind enough to give us some time here at ESPN-UP. Appreciate it as always, Kurt. Always good talking to you, man. We'll look forward to talking again here as the uh, summer workouts hopefully progress and uh, looking forward to next season. All right, man. Hey, stay healthy out there. It's good to hear your voice again. Yep, back at you. Let's take a timeout. More after this on ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Or get our free mobile app from the Apple Store or Google Play. 
Tanner Hoops with you as we wind down this Wednesday afternoon. We were planning to have a guest, a representative from minor league baseball, was going to talk about his league as being affected, his organization, and what are some options going forward for baseball, both at the minor and major league levels. Clearly, as you could hear in our last segment, we're having a little bit of problems with our makeshift phone line, what have you. So we're going to save that interview for next week as we try to continue to get uh, familiarized with the new equipment. So instead, here in our final minutes together, let's talk about some of the, maybe the new stories that are making headlines that we're not talking about enough. First of all, the Cleveland Browns are rolling back their classic-looking uniforms. They are pretty much reverting to what they used to wear before the most recent change. Uh, they unveiled those earlier today. Meanwhile, Anthony Fauci, who has become a household name, Dr. Anthony Fauci is the leading expert on infectious disease in this country, and he did say earlier today that sports could return in 2020. Pro sports, maybe even at the college level, could return as long as that is without fans in attendance. Uh, last night, well, I guess early this morning maybe might be a better way to put it. Whatever time it is over there, they had the first home run in all of 2020. was hit last night in Taiwan. The Taiwan Professional Baseball League is back. They are playing without anybody in attendance. It's, I mean, it's weird. You look at it, but you know what? It's, it's baseball. At the same time, somebody's playing sports. And honestly, I take that right now. And I've seen a few different takes that would say, you know, if we have sports but no fans, what's the point? I mean, that atmosphere isn't going to be the same. It's not going it, to – it's just going to be too weird for it to be enjoyable. I disagree. I, I disagree on that. I mean, we got to give people something to enjoy, to look forward to, to get back to work. And, you know, we're going to put people back to work if we can get sports going again. But obviously we want to be careful about that and don't want to make it something that could put more lives at risk. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey uh, said earlier today that the state could host all Major League Baseball teams at the right time, as he calls it. Now, what does the right time mean? I don't know. And I don't know that we know what the timeline is here going forward but it is an option and to me it's an encouraging option that you hear both Doug Ducey and Dr. Fauci say that sports could come back in 2020 and we've got somewhat of a model for it although this is tough to predict this is uncharted waters we have a little bit of a model because it's taking place out in Taiwan right now they are laying a, a bit of a foundation groundwork blueprints if you will for what we can do how we can get sports back up and running in 2020 even if there aren't fans in attendance. Now, obviously, you want fans there. Fans are a big part of what makes it, uh, especially at the minor league level. I mean, you think about it, minor league teams thrive on fans coming to the ballpark and spending money on concessions and souvenirs, what have you. They're not going to go out of their way to get TV deals, to get major TV contracts. I think they would if they could, but they're not going to. Minor league baseball and sports like that, they are what thrives on fans in attendance so how does that all work out that's another thing that needs to be logistically figured out and like today we had a, a press conference I believe a teleconference uh, Vice President Pence talked with several athletic leaders athletic directors and uh, college administrators throughout the country in an effort to talk about what we can do to get sports back off the ground and I'm glad to see that these concerns are being taken seriously it's being treated like a priority because I get it we are going through a global pandemic and you hate what's going on right now you hate that people are dying you hate that people are suffering and people are being furloughed and wait, uh, laid off at the same time you got to give people hope got to give them optimism and uh, sports is a big way to do that and that's that's why I am hoping that we can see some movement toward 
at least a return to sports, if not normalcy, here in the coming months. Uh, China, by the way, the, where this outbreak occurred, where it, uh, where it all began, they have postponed starting their pro basketball league until July. And speaking of basketball, it's been a rough couple of days for Michigan basketball. Isaiah Todd decommitted from the Wolverines. He was a star, highly touted prospect out of high school and was set to join Jawan Howard's squad. He is decommitted. He's going pro. Michigan uh, with David DeJulius, of course, happening the other day. They are still reeling a little bit. It's been a tough day, a uh, tough couple of days, I should say, for Michigan basketball. Meanwhile, you remember Bill Peters, the former head coach of the Calgary Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, he has a new job. He has taken uh, the head hockey coaching position in the KHL, the, uh, the professional league out in Russia, and it covers a little bit of Eastern Europe. I am not going to even attempt to pronounce what his new team, uh, the, the name of his new team, because it is, it's got a lot of letters and very few of them are vowels. So congrats to Bill Peters, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone really still has sympathy for Bill Peters. I, I mean, we all remember what went down there, was fired for using a racial slur. Uh, that brings to mind Kyle Larson, the NASCAR driver who was fired by Chip Ganassi Racing a couple of days ago. On Sunday, he was part of a live stream NASCAR event. He was playing a, a video game, essentially, and it was being streamed, and he used a racial slur. Uh, he, he has apologized for it. I, I don't know. I believe he's sincere in his apology. I don't know him. Uh, but he has been fired by Chip Ganassi Racing. His apology, though, did not go over well with uh, with everybody, which includes New York Mets pitcher Marcus Stroman. Uh, Stroman, we remember him. He uh, used to play for the Toronto Blue Jays. While he was doing so, he got his degree from Duke. He's a great pitcher, really remarkable guy. Uh, he has challenged Kyle Larson to a UFC-style fight to essentially teach him a lesson. So will Kyle Larson take him up on that? Probably not. But you ima could you imagine if we got that? TV, Kyle Larson going up against Marcus Stroman in a UFC-style fight. A few other things to bring to your attention here before we sign off here in our final couple of minutes. Uh, there was this weird story that came out, and it's 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 wild. It's something that you, you see that and you think, okay, this has got to be like a Bleacher Report or an Onion article, something like that. This can't be real. And then you find out well, there are actual people who believe this now you think about going back to uh the end of january early february we didn't really panic about the coronavirus yet we knew it was a thing and it was in this country by the time super bowl 54 occurred uh but it wasn't certainly at the the stage that it is right now well the san francisco 49ers had a 20 to 10 lead late in that super bowl and they blew it. Kansas City scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, and they come back to win the Super Bowl. There are experts out there. There are disease experts that are saying that had San Francisco went on to win that game and hosted a championship parade, they would have accelerated the spread of COVID-19 because certainly uh, San Francisco is an area with a heavily populated area, and it's a place certainly with uh, Far East Asian heritage out there. And certainly they have a lot of commuters coming from China. And they, there are real experts who believe that if the 49ers went on to win that Super Bowl and hosted a Super Bowl parade, they would have accelerated the spread of COVID-19. So how about Pat Mahomes? Is there anything he can't do? He's even saving the country in, in some, some ways. He can lead a fourth-quarter Super Bowl comeback and save the country from you know, getting hit even harder by a pandemic. 
I tell you what, that is it for us here in ESPN-UP. I'm glad to have you along as always. Hey, by the way, Packer fans, uh, I, uh, we don't have time to get to it, but the OBJ rumors, I think you're probably rooting for that if, if OBJ goes to Minnesota because, as we've seen, it doesn't work out. I, I, I know there are some Packer fans who are maybe a little discouraged that OBJ could be going to the Vikings. I haven't seen that. I know they were they were doing rumors uh, talking about that. I don't know if that's made any progress since I've hit the air here. Uh, but OBJ to the Vikings, I think Packer fans might actually come to think that's uh, hilarious. Either or, thanks for tuning in to the Sports Pen. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.